I'm Gemma Kaneko. I'm here with Ben Cosman, and we're back here to dive into your favorite works of literature, but a lot less elegantly, you know, like a cannonball. Like a cannonball! <laughs> exactly. This is Cannonballs, where we read books in the literary canon and uh, tell you what we think about them. This week, in honor of the spookiest month of the year, we read the atmospheric horror classic The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. Critics love to debate it. There's a Benjamin Britten opera about it. Everyone tries to make a film version of it every decade. And joining us this week, because of how spooky it is, is Penny Cox, horror aficionado, one of my dearest friends of my whole life, and uh, she's worked on Vampire Diaries and Scream, so she has a lot of horror cred. Um, we've known each other for almost two decades, and now... We're going to talk about a scary book. Hi, Penny. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> I just want to shout out the made-for-TV movie, or CBS Playhouse movie of this book, starring Ingrid Bergman, which oh. uh, I did not know about until I looked it up on IMDb, <laughs> and I really want to watch that now. Oh, you didn't watch it yet? No, I have not watched it yet. Uh, well, we should all watch this movie. Yeah. Um, so before we do a book, we like to do a scouting report. If you don't know what a scouting report is, it's sort of like a sportsy metaphor. Ben and I are sportsy people. Um, and we're going to rate this book on what we already knew or thought about it. Like what we thought about it going in mm -hmm. on a 20 to 80 scale, 80 obviously being the highest. So category one, classic myth. I put this at an 80 because I feel like everybody knows this book. I, so I am going to go lower. I'm going to go maybe 60, 55, maybe. I know the name. I think everyone knows the name. I had no idea what this book was about. If you asked me a month ago before we read this book what this book was about, I would have said, I don't know, like a carpenter? <laughs> uh, sure. But I knew the name, and I maybe knew Henry James wrote it, but I had no idea what this book was about. So I think it is a superficial classic. Really? It's on a lot of lists, but I don't think a lot of people have actually read it. Huh. Penny, what do you think in terms of classicness? I will give it like a 70. I remember that this book was on the shelf. You remember in Lost when there was like the hatch? Oh, Desmond. This book. Yeah, this was one of Desmond's book. I don't really remember. There was maybe, I shouldn't have brought this up. I don't remember what importance it had to the story at all, but. Uh... Knowing that show, it probably has some like, cut. <laughs> like, oh, well, the turn of the screw was on means that actually. <laughs> Penny, not you, Penny, but Desmond's Penny, right. was a ghost the whole time. Desmond was the governess of the hatch. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Now, let's let's take it to our next category, which is accessibility, mm -hmm. which means how easy it is, it, is it for someone to jump in? Um, how does it appeal to a modern reader? I gave this a lower grade. I'm, I'm going with 40 because I feel like some of the issues that are brought up in it are not necessarily identifiable by a modern reader, and also the language itself can be a little tangled. Mm. I would agree. Yeah, I would go a little higher. I would probably put it where I put a classic, it's like 50, 55. Uh -huh. uh, just because it's so short. It and is if really gonna, short. If you're going to tell someone to read a classic book, it helps if it's 100 pages. It is really short. I do, sure. I do think that helps. But I, I also think that, like, you, I think I always knew it as a really spooky ghost writer. Like, yeah, oh. it's going to be really scary and I'm going to be really into it. And then I ultimately think that what it was was not the campfire story sort of tale that I had expected it to yeah, So I, I put it lower there. Yeah. yeah. We had different expectations. We did. Um, and finally, our third category of the scouting report is pop culture influence. Mm -hmm. I put it mm -hmm. at a 60 just because I I have read a lot of books and that reference this book without having ever read this book. Um, I, apparently, there are also a lot of horror films that are, that like, use this motif. And I think that there are. Like, I think, the, like, creepy kids, like, mm -hmm. big spooky house. 
not that necessarily Henry James invented this, but the idea of like a third person coming in and involving like the kids. I think that that is something that a lot of other works of fiction pay homage to. I kept thinking about the the uh, twins from The Shining when I was reading this. Oh, I don't know. Huh. I, have, I have no idea if that was a uh, if that's a thing, if that's a connection people have made. But that's all I kept thinking about. Yeah, I feel I, like this is where creepy kids kind of came from. Yeah. Um, 60. Gemma, I agree with all your opinions. <laughs> Thanks. This is why I bring my friends on the pod. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll agree on this one. I'll say 60. Uh, I mean, Penny, as, as someone who's really into horror, like, creepy kids, are they still creepy? Like, I feel like this is used all the time now. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, kids are creepy. It depends, you know, like, anything on the actor, on the writing, on the execution. Um, yeah, I've seen tons of movies that I didn't even know were, you know, so not maybe based off of this, but had a lot of similarities, themes, motifs, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, I mean, we should talk about that more a little bit later. We can talk about some movies that maybe you've seen that remind you of this or like who you've cast sure. as these kids. I think oh, that's- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just whip out my list of all the little <laughs> kids that I know. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's always the option of picking a young, currently I mean, famous person. Like Haley Joel Osment circa 1990. <laughs> like a wow. young Jeff Goldblum. Like a young <laughs> female Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Classically beautiful as Jeff, yes. Go- Jeff Goldblum is. Because that is how he, he is. He is. Uh, all right, so that's that's how we felt going in. And then now we actually read it, which we is did. surprising that none of us have ever read it before. Um, that Just sort because of backs it's on so many my lists. point on classicness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> all right. What is this podcast even if we don't? <laughs> there's too many read. books to read, all right? We can't read everything. Yes, there's so many books in the world. Uh, so let's talk about the narrator first, because obviously this is told from a first-person point of view. Um, an unnamed narrator, the governess that's hired for two children. So that's loosely the structure of this book. What happens is a governess is hired by this these two children's uncle. The uncle has is the caretaker of the kids because his brother died in India and he really just like doesn't care about them at all. And they live in the country and he hires series, a series of people to take care of them. And this woman is the latest in the series who will take care of the two children, Miles and Flora. Miles is a little older. He's in school. Flora is a little bit younger and kind of like still babyish. And she goes to this house, Bly, to take care of them Mm -hmm. right after Miles is expelled from his school. So they're both of the kids are at the house. No, he's, he hasn't been expelled. Oh yet, yeah, right? it's the holidays, but he yeah. gets expelled pretty pretty soon. So the yeah, whole yeah. idea is that she's just there with these kids and the servants in the house and taking care of them. Uh, and she starts losing it pretty fast. Oh yeah, yeah, almost immediately. Yeah, normally we would break it down a little bit more by plot, but there it's so short that the plot mm-hmm. doesn't really like have a lot of mechanics. Yeah, like you know, so it's a few encounters. He shows yeah. up into this house, sees some ghosts, talk to some creepy kids. Yeah. So I guess fun. we should first ask ourselves like. How believable is her narration? Well, not to derail us, but you keep saying narrator and also the governess. But the narrator, I don't know, is this in every version? The narrator is actually a guy reading this story to a I party. Guess that's true. Sure. That is also a level. Those pages yeah. were insane. <laughs> they, don't, they don't come back around to that at all. Yeah, the beginning. Yeah, the beginning is wild. Yeah, maybe we should start at the beginning then, because that is a really good question, because I guess that the, we, there's like a meta-narrator. Right, There's this story is a story being read by another guy in the story we're reading. <laughs> there are several incredibly dense pages just describing a man saying that he's going to say this horrible story, <laughs> yeah. like drawing out the promise of telling this story over days, yeah. and then, you know 
finally getting the story. He can't uh, remember it. I don't know why. It's, you know, only how, how many pages. And then reading it. We don't, like, there's, uh, I hated this opening, actually. Yeah, because it's kind of implied that he was in love with the governess. Yes. Yeah. Right? And we have no idea what his connection to the story is. I thought this kid was going to be kind of like a grown-up Miles, maybe, oh, all along. Oh, wow. That would have been interesting. Yeah. That would have happened um, on Lost. That would have happened. This, <laughs> so many twists and turns. Um, this story also was serialized, so I assume that at least the first portion of the serial was just the like this build-up. I would have been pissed. Who would have kept reading this? I'm, I'm so angry. I had no idea this was serialized because I absolutely would not have. Because you're right. The entire first chapter is, I'm going to tell a story. Oh, wait. Actually, I can't remember the story, so I need to send a guy to my house in London to get the story. Okay, but then yeah. some time passed. Oh, and let's also just like talk about these two old widow ladies who are weirdly at the house for whatever reason, and now they're leaving, so they don't get right. to hear the story. And now, finally, the story is here. I, I just want to read the first line because I think the first line is is kind of it, it does set the stage a lot and then there's just a lot of prevaricating so here's how the how, here's how the book starts the story had held us round the fire sufficiently breathless but except the obvious remark that it was gruesome as on christmas eve in an old house a strange tale should essentially be i remember no comment uttered until somebody happened to note it as the only case he had met in which such a visitation had fallen on a child so like ooh a gruesome story about a ghost mm. and a child also Brief aside, is it essential that Christmas Eve stories should be gruesome? This is my question. Do, is it normal to tell like ghost stories on Christmas Eve? I think, tradition? honestly, it is. I love um, it. Is that why a yeah. Christmas Carol was a thing? Oh, it's about ghosts. that's yeah. good. I think it's kind of an old tradition. Do you ever tell? Does that? Do you guys do this? Do either of you do this? No, no. But I mean, <laughs> I saw that. I saw an old tradition. The Santa Claus starring Tim Allen starts with a dead guy. <laughs> Terrifying. I guess that also in a lot of cultures, Santa Claus does have like a devilish sidekick who oh, puts yeah. kids in bags. Yeah, don't they steal children from in the Netherlands? Homes. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. Krampus, that's yeah. the whole thing. Oh. Um, so you're right, Penny, though, that this that the narrator is actually just a guy telling other people this woman's story. Douglas. I see his name on page one now that we're looking at yeah. it. Douglas. Well, I think that can bring us back a little bit to the narrator is that it's it's also, there's this whole thing where it's like, oh, why can't, why can't we discuss the story, whatever? And it's because the governess herself is also in love. Mm-hmm. Like, their guest, oh, the governess was in love with someone, too. So who was she in love with? Not Douglas. She was in love with the guy, right? She could have been the a- uncle. The right? uncle, yeah. I think that was a lot of sexual attention in this book. That hmm. Unresolved. Yeah. But I, I'm going to disagree. I loved the beginning. I was like, yeah, this, this story's going to be awesome. Like, <laughs> this is so hyped. I was only really, dis- <laughs> was really disappointed at the end. Uh but they, they sold me. And when the guy's like, I'm going to tell you this story, but you have to wait three days. And it's going to be, I promise you, it's <laughs> right. going to be worth it. It was not even worth from it. The standpoint, <laughs> even from the standpoint of the writer, who writes a story that just starts like, this story is so fucking good, you guys. <laughs> yeah. You're so not true. even going to believe it. It's the greatest, most scary story you've ever heard in your life. And here we go. <laughs> it's just like, don't oversell yourself right off the bat. That does really build it up to something that I, do not, I don't think it deserved, no. frankly. Henry James totally got paid by the word for this. 100%. If you got paid by the word, why isn't it 600 pages? Henry James clearly realized about 
halfway through this, I was like, oh, I don't know where this is going. I gotta wrap it up. <laughs> Shut it down. Yeah, we gotta figure out. He's like, oh, why was Miles expelled? Oh, he said some stuff, you guys. <laughs> oh, I have a lot of feeling. I have a lot of thoughts about that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Well, okay, so I bring up who the narrator was in love with, or who the governess was in love with, because maybe it's the, the, the uncle who whose whole requirement for her job is never tell me yeah. anything about <laughs> yeah. these children that I'm supposed to take care of, which is in its own way. Like, why do you think he, he said that? Like, does, <laughs> does he think that the kids are like weird demons and that's why he has to keep them in the country and he doesn't want to hear about it? Does he just hate kids? Does is he just like want to drink all the time and pretend that he ha- doesn't have this responsibility? Like, what's that about? Yeah, he's probably like Adam Sandler and Big Daddy. <laughs> Wait, no, not Adam Sandler and Big Daddy. John Stewart and Big Daddy doesn't want to know about the kids. Adam Sandler is the governess, I guess. This is getting strange. <laughs> Don't we hate the uncle? Isn't he like a like a British colonialist? He's definitely a British colonialist. Oh, yeah. And also he's like just negligent. <laughs> Who's like I yes, mean, I have these children. These kids. Never tell me anything about them. Like what if one of them died? Would he not want to know? <laughs> I guess he would be relieved well, of the burden. That's true. Yeah, he right. can he can, you know. By a part-time governess. <laughs> or... <laughs> Just hire a hitman. Yeah. <laughs> True. This is a whole interpretation, like, maybe he did. I mean, oh. does he know about the ghosts? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I guess, so, there are the, in the forwarder, in the, um, I have the Everyman edition of this book, and there is some critical theory in it, and one of the huh. theories proposed is that the governess was not in love with the uncle, but was, in fact, in love with Miles, and that's what makes hmm. it creepier mm. that that's what maybe would make our original narrator the guy reading the story so loath to tell it or to like be explicit oh. about it is there is something a little bit more forbidden about about the love is that she was in love with miles which that's would be up. extremely inappropriate it is that is fucked up yeah so i mean she she uh, has a lot of feelings about herself she's woman. a weird lady yeah she's, she's also an asshole <laughs> yes. I, have, I have some feelings about how she treats mrs gross the yes. uh, who is the housekeeper? That, the head maid, yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't entirely sure what she was. God, have you ever watched Downton Abbey, Ben? I have not. She's the housekeeper. She's <laughs> well, in charge she, of the female who staff. Who is she in Clue? Is she Tim Curry in Clue? No. So she, there's no Clue she, equivalent. I guess Tim okay. Curry is the Clue equivalent. <laughs> she's not she's like... Governess Grey. <laughs> uh, but Mrs. Gross is there at the house. She's been there for a while, right? Yeah. Uh, she's sort of in charge of the house help, I guess you would say. Uh, and then our narrator just shows up and just starts talking down to her like she's an idiot. <laughs> I have a quote here I want to read because I couldn't believe this. She, she goes to Mrs. Gross and she says, she describes Mrs. Gross as such homely force. <laughs> she, she literally says to Mrs. Gross, only you haven't my dreadful boldness of mind. And uh, and then later, there was an odd recognition of my superiority over Mrs. Gross, which I think uh, partially goes into there's a lot of class stuff in this, yeah. but also she's just talking down to this woman. <laughs> like, you constantly. Don't, you don't have my boldest of mind. You don't understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. This woman <laughs> thinks a great deal of herself. Like, she does. I, there's a lot of the book where she's just like, my firmness and my decision-making <laughs> powers. Like, here's something that she wrote when, so she she comes to this house, and she starts immediately, immediately, she's like walking around outside and she sees a guy. And her first thought is, that guy must be a squatter in our house. Wait, wait, what's, what's interesting about the guy? He has no hat. That's why she's yeah, like, yeah. That's that's why be, she is suspicious. He must be an insane squatter who lives in our house, a la Bertha, Mr. Rochester's <laughs> wife. But then... Right, because he's in like a spiral tower yeah, or something? This, this, this house, the like property that they are on has these weird like 
false ruins, which was a thing, is that they would like build things to make it look more picturesque. So there are these towers that are on the property, and he's like prowling around one of the towers. She's like, must mm. be a squatter. Then she describes this this person to Mrs. Gross, and Mrs. Gross identifies him as the former valet of the uncle, Peter Quint. But, twist, Peter Quint is dead. No. <laughs> so then immediately she's like, totally, yes, I definitely believe in ghosts. Gotta be a ghost. I have to protect the children from the ghosts. She's, no, she sees a photo of Quint, right? And says, yes, that's my guy. I don't even think she sees a photo. I think Mrs. Gross just describes she, him. Yeah, like this extremely like specific description yes of like thin lips wide mouth <laughs> like, like and then she's like ah oh, yes that's peter quint like yeah. red floppy hair or something mm-hmm. yes but also like he's no handsome they're like yeah that's the craziest part is that there's no hat the chapter ends with they'd be like oh it's peter quint and then yes mr quint is dead <laughs> it's a ghost but when she's like oh i have to defend the children from a ghost she says I scarce know how to put my story into words that shall be a credible picture of my state of mind, but I was in these days literally able to find a joy in the extraordinary flight of heroism the occasion demanded of me. And she's constantly like, I'm so heroic. I'm defending the children. I wasn't even afraid when I saw the ghost. I could, te- I could te- like find no fear in myself, my firmness and my decision. And she also talks about it. It's like, if he could see me now, she- he would see how strong I am, presumably as the uncle. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, do you think that she is as heroic and as strong as she thinks she herself is? Uh, no, absolutely not. Why not? I think she's crazy. Oh. Yeah, I, I, uh, well, she doesn't do anything. <laughs> she just looks at these ghosts and then, like, goes up to them and then they're gone. And then mm-hmm. that's it. So, Penny, you think she's crazy. So that's a big question of this book is, are the ghosts real? I have to think that they are not real and she is nuts. Um, I finished the book and I have to say I didn't love it and I kind of went online to see what people said about it or kind of like look for more you know information about it um, basically to just regurgitate as my own opinions on this <laughs> podcast um, and I saw that lots of people do think she is crazy and killed Miles and there are no ghosts and I think that's maybe the only way that it really makes sense Um so we're supposed to just believe that these two ghosts who did take care of these children and apparently, you know, the children enjoyed their company, that they're now inherently evil and want to kill the children and get them somehow. And the narrator's able to just like glean this from their silent presence, <laughs> which is not threatening at all. Um, you know, the only people that see the ghosts really are the narrator and the reader. And it was a spooky book, but I never felt that the ghosts did anything threatening. Um, They're just trying to get inside. They're just trying to get into the uh, dining room. That was what was so strange to me, is there's a point where she tells Mrs. Gross, like, oh, I heard the ghosts talking about how they want to corrupt Miles and Flora. But in the chapter right before, she sees them, and they don't say anything Mm -hmm. at all. We don't Mm -hmm. ever see the scene where she believes that to have occurred. She also thinks Mm -hmm. the kids are talking either talking to the ghosts or talking right. to each other about the ghosts. So she she maintains through almost the entire book until the end that the kids are aware of the ghosts. Um but no, I agree with you Penny. I think she's totally full of it. I don't think the ghosts are real. I think uh um uh, she has like a mental break. Honestly, I think she has a mental break when she gets the letter from the school cuz she she makes a really big deal out of it. She says, "How like, how the hell am I supposed to 
punish this kid. I just got hired here. I don't know what to do. And I think she's just honestly worried about fucking up. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to raise these kids. So I'm going to imagine some ghosts. And she just totally panics. Here's yeah. one of my favorite quotes from the book because I thought it was so funny because she thinks the kids are talking about the ghosts all the yes. time. And eventually there's like a moment when she's like, oh, well, they've definitely talked to the ghosts. And for some reason, unbeknownst to us, like it's just inherently evil to talk to ghosts. So they're trying mm-hmm. to like keep the peace and pretend that they, and she thinks that they're all pretending not to know what they all know. And she says, forbidden ground was the question of the return of the dead in general. <laughs> like True. <laughs> okay, let's just never, <laughs> forbidden ground is like, let's just not even talk about, like, as though people are commonly talking about the return of the dead. You come yeah. down for breakfast and they're like, oh, so like, do the dead return? Do you think, do you think ghosts walk at night? Will you pass the margarine? Is that like, that is the thing that happens. But no, they can't talk about it. I agree with both of you is that I think that what the real horror is of this book is this woman slowly coming unhinged. Yeah. And I think, because Mrs. Gross is always presented as this ally who's like, I believe you, there must be something terrible happening here. Uh, I'll, I, I trust you, I trust you, I know, I know. And then there's a moment at the end where um, the narrator is really thankful for the ghost of the former governess, Miss Jessel, showing up to uh, appear to all of them so that they can all, all see the ghost. And, and she's like, Mrs. Gross, that's the ghost. She's right there. And Mrs. Gross is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but Mrs. Gross still supports her. And she's like, oh, if you're saying that, it must be true. I think that Mrs. Gross knows that the governess is coming on Hinge and is playing along hmm. with her because she's so dangerous. And so she's like, if I play along with her, I can figure out a way out of this. And when she takes Flora away at the end, she's like, oh, I meant to, I, that was the plan all along was to get Flora out. Leave the kid. Leave the kid. Like I, I, I would leave the kid too. Honestly. And like Miles, I'm, I'm sure she had another plan and did not expect our governess to like shake him to death, which appears to be what happened. Um, I I had a couple theories as I was reading about Mrs. Gross. A for first I thought she was going to be the a ghost. Uh-huh. Then I thought she was going to be like the leader of the ghosts and she could see them, but she pretended like she didn't because she wanted to fuck with the narrator. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, but now I'm pretty sure Mrs. Gross. Yeah, is just. Trying to do her best with a lady who's losing her mind because the just narrator... a homely old idiot. <laughs> yeah, just a... yeah. Because uh, the narrator has—I I don't know if I read this incorrectly or sort of assumed things too much—but she has some crazy theories. I think she she at one point sort of suggests that the children are the children of the ghosts, like that Peter Quint and Miss Jessel had a love affair, or there's also some stuff about Peter Quint being too handsy. I don't know. Yeah, too well, aggressive. There is the thing that. So Mrs. Gross says that Peter Quint liked every woman. Right. And he tried so and he always like carried on with the governesses, and there's like been a string of governesses yeah. that come in and out. But what is so horrifying to our narrator about Miss Jessel's relationship with Peter Quint is that Miss Jessel is like a, a gentlewoman. She has she comes from a higher class than him. Mm-hmm. And they like openly carried on together when they were at Bly. And that to her is the reason that they're so evil. Right. They're just such horrible people and their spirits must be malignant because they like crossed class boundaries. And she finds it horrifying that before she was there, Miles hung out with Peter Quint all the time because Peter Quint is like too poor, like comes from too poor a class designation for that. And it's like and it's not, and Miss Jessel ignored Miles, and that's her fault for letting him, like, spend all this time with a menial, mm-hmm. like Peter Quint, um, which is, like, that to her immediately confirms, like, they must be just Satan's spawn. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, that is a really hard thing, I think, for a modern reader to identify with as horrifying. 
Because, Penny, you're right. Like, the ghosts don't do anything threatening. It's the things they did in their lives that threaten her. Miss Jessel just chills by the lake. Yeah. Sounds pleasant. That's what I would do if I was a ghost. Looking out the window, standing on the tower. Um, And we don't even know necessarily that they were bad people at all. I mean, there's... When I was reading it, I guess I could see a side of it that's completely innocent, where Jessel and Quint are, you know, together, you know, even having sex or whatever they do, and they just take care of the kids, and it's like kind of the four of them hang out, and it's just totally peaceful, normal situation. I mean, I guess that doesn't explain exactly how they died. Do we ever find out how Jessel died? She just she goes home and then she yeah. dies and never right gets oh right right right. right. Say. I think it's implied that she was pregnant and either tried to have an abortion oh. or miscarried and died. Yeah. yeah. Wow, you guys really read into that. <laughs> oh, wait till you hear my theory about why Miles got kicked out of school. Oh wow! Oh, shit. All right. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't even have a theory. While we're talking, I don't even. About... <laughs> I don't even know what was said in the book. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the narrator i want to she has a knack for really creepy descriptions and i like i almost like the theory uh, that she's in love with the kid now because Uh the way she describes him a couple times she describes him as an imperturbable little prodigy of delightful lovable goodness that mouthful and then she says when she's thinking she's watching him eat and then she literally says to herself whatever he had been expelled from school for it wasn't for ugly feeding that was how she described the child she was watching eating. <laughs> he is such a beautiful eater. He couldn't have been suspended from school for eating ugly. Also, who is expelled? She's obviously crazy. Yeah, she's obviously crazy. Like, the more I think Maybe about it. Maybe she is in love with him, too. And, and that fact for her, like, she obviously is so horrified by the... So, okay. So she's talking to Mrs. Gross about Quint and Jessel. And uh, Mrs. Mrs. Gross says that he was very handsome. Oh, handsome. Very, very, I insisted. Wonderfully handsome, but infamous. She slowly came back to me. Miss Jessel was infamous. They were both infamous, she finally said. Which I assume means they both just liked sex a lot. Like, I, it's, it's strange. Like, what does that mean to be infamous in, in that sense? Uh, Damn Randy ghosts. Yeah, I guess. Um, and that horrifies our, the governess a lot. Like, sexual feelings of any sort seem to really disturb and upset her she wants them to be pure like she kind of likes the fact that the uncle will never know her for real Mm -hmm. and only have the sense of her far away like doing a great job like that (laughs) is a really like pure love to her that it's not physical in any way so but she does appreciate miles physically like she thinks he's a really beautiful child same with flora and there is almost like a little bit of a sexual undertone there about her feelings to them. And maybe part of that is the break that she has is she's so disturbed by those feelings that she feels. Maybe, maybe that's why she kills him at the end. Should, can we spoil her? Like the kid Miles dies in her arms because yeah. at the very end she sees the ghost of Quinn uh-huh. while she's in the dining room with Miles. And as she's trying to hold him to shield him from Peter Quinn, she either like scares him to death or shakes him. He has a heart attack in her arms. Yeah. And that is just how... The book ends. And then we never, ever, and ever find out what it. happened to Douglas or everyone at this it, that's weird That's literally the end, end of story. Um, but <laughs> but in, at, towards the end, he's sort of telling her things like, oh, I'm, you know, growing up. I have to do more on my own now. I'm becoming a boy. I mean, he's essentially hitting puberty and he's going to start, you know, 
becoming a man. <laughs> so maybe she literally kills him to prevent that because she's so worried about keeping him pure. That is an interesting interpretation. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I just, that's, uh, Henry, that's some baggage Henry James has, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's, like, really... In, well, because... Okay, so there's some idea, too. Uh, this is maybe in some criticism, but um, people wonder why Miles got kicked out of school. And he says that when they're at church and they're talking before they go into church and he wants to go back to school, and she says, well, you can't go back to the same place. And he's like, oh, you know that. Oh. He's like, well, that's fine. I don't want to go back to the same place. And she asks why, and he says, I need a new field. I want a new field. Mm-hmm. So presumably that means he, he's like sick of his old classmates and wants to explore like new classmates. So did he steal? That's maybe a thing, whatever. But then he says he got expelled for saying things to students, mm. like saying things to students. And then they would later repeat those things to other people that they liked. So there is this whole thing with English boarding schools, right? That that's really homoerotic. Yeah. So maybe... He was like having little mini love affairs with his classmates and he was ready for new new ones. And like that that is a little bit in theory is that Miles also has this he also realizes like he has this degree of sexual corruption already yeah. to him. And that could be part of your theory as to why he kills her or she kills him. Yeah. Right. Anyone else have any feelings about why Miles got kicked out of school? Being a creepy little kid, I don't know. <laughs> just being like a demon child. Yeah, they knew they're like this kid. He's up to no good. We gotta get him out of here. Um, I guess when I read it and thought about it, um, I thought what you had said, Gemma, was probably the most correct. That he was saying like sexually inappropriate things to other students. Because what else would you say to someone that you liked that would get you in trouble? Um, but kind of the theory of perhaps the governess was in love with him. I don't know if it feels maybe that's a step too far for me. I don't know. She just seems so, like, austere and kind of closed off that, of course, you know, you can wrap that around and say, you know, it's that's as equally tied into uh, sexuality as, you know, being, uh, what's the word, infamous? Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know if there's enough information there in, in the entirety of the story. But maybe there is. I mean, I just I should have read more about it. No, I think I think you're right. I think that a lot of the extrapolations we're making are on very little information, and maybe it's because there's so little information, we can take these wild flights of fancy because there's nothing explicitly explicitly to say that's like not the reason. I mean, yeah, I do think that you know Quint Jessel had a relationship. You know, people probably thought it was a little scandalous for whatever reason. Uh, obviously, the governess is in love with someone herself. Um, the kids, she does describe in a very creepy manner. Miles was kicked out for saying, I guess I thought he had just heard things Quint said to Jessel and kind of repeated oh. them. Oh, that's a good theory. That I like that. That is a good theory. That's what kids do. Mm. I mean, we could say that the real horror was the ambiguity. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the whole point. I guess when we were talking about theories of is, it, is she crazy or not crazy, I think the point of the story is not to know, but to me it doesn't seem like it's a satisfying story unless she is crazy. Yeah, I definitely prefer her to be yeah. right. losing her mind. Otherwise, I mean, she did nothing and utterly failed, and she's not a fun narrator to be on her side. No. So to end the story and say, oh, she was nuts... And she killed them. It's kind of, you know, that's the twist ending. Without yeah. it, it's like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> I guess the ghosts are going to get him. And right. Yeah. Already. Wow, terrible. And then she just uh, left. What's, what 
goes unmentioned for a lot of this book and just referenced every once in a while is that there seems to be a lot of other people like a lot of other help around this house that she just ignores <laughs> the whole time yeah so, like some servants There's yeah i kept servants. waiting for something not worthy like, not worthy yeah, oh yeah, like when at the final thing, the final dinner that she has with Miles, they're being served food yeah. by people, and they she even says it's like oh when she says when they're when we are like newlyweds on your wedding night journey, and there's the waiter, and you feel awkward talking around the waiter, oh. and then the waiter leaves, and you can really talk, and the waiter in the series is just like a maid, like yeah. another maid. All the other maids who apparently just have don't see ghosts, they're probably just trying to live their lives. <laughs> Maybe they're used to the ghosts. <laughs> yeah. They're chill about the ghost, whereas our narrator is defiantly or definitely not chill. See, I also think that another reason that it, it's not really satisfying if the ghosts are real is because there's no suspense about whether they're ghosts or not. It's yeah. immediately like, oh, yep, here are two ghosts. <laughs> I guess it's not a crazy squatter. Two pages later, I know it's for sure a ghost. They also don't do anything. Yeah, it's they a don't ghost do story where the ghosts do not do anything. And she's really scared of them. She's like, oh, Miss Jessel's horrible face, but the description is just like she seems like a sad lady. Yeah. Is that scary? I don't know. Uh, well, that's the question. Like, was this a scary book? What was scary about it if it was, in fact, scary? I was creeped out reading it, and I think it has more to do with a lot of the writing than what actually happened. Because what, what happens isn't scary. The I mean, there are no... Everything that happens is such build-up by the narrator sort of being like, oh, I'm going to go see this ghost, and we're going to, like, get him, uh, that there was no there was no suspense. Um but it did give me creepy nightmares. I had really? Very, what? Was, well, not nightmares, but I just had a creepy vibe in my life while I was reading this. Um, I don't know why. Huh. I will say it was unnerving. But that, I, I, I owe that more to the style of the writing, I think. Unnerving, I think, is good. But I didn't really start to get freaked out by this book until it became clear to me that the governess was losing it. Like, all the ghost stuff, I was like... It, since since she decided so quickly that they were ghosts and she'd constantly talk about like heroic she was, I was like, these ghosts are definitely not real. <laughs> like, also, it's it, when when a ghost just walks by you in the hallway and then that's it for like pages and pages. I'm like, all right, this isn't scary. I started to get scared when she started to scare the kids. Like yeah. when it was clear that the children were scared of her. Then I I felt I started to see her in a completely different light. Like that. I imagined her conversations, which she had portrayed with Mrs. Gross, as fairly calm, like, rational discussion. She's like, we were up till dawn, like, just talking about it. Mrs. Gross being like, how do I leave this room? Right. This woman is manic. I don't know. And that started to freak me out. Did you think it was scary, Penny? I, um, I didn't really care for the style of writing, but in this kind of, this, the ghost scenes, I thought that's when it really kind of, like, started to sing. And I thought the scariest scene was the one where Jessel is across the pond and the narrator is describing, you know, not trying not to look up mm. like oh, yeah. repeatedly for fear of just what she would see if she looked at this ghost across the pond. Um, and, you know, kind of just the image of a harmless woman, even a ghost standing across the pond doesn't sound that scary. But, you know, I thought he really had uh, James really made that a terrifying scene. I thought the scene with Quint on the stairs, I just thought the description in those scenes, you know, the kind of like the really drawn out language and style of writing made those scenes really like come alive. Yeah, I agree. I, I think my scare, the scariest scene to me was when it was, it was in the middle and she was doing a lot where she kept going in and out of the kids' rooms at night, ostensibly while mm -hmm. they were sleeping. And she goes into Miles' room and he's not there and then she looks out and he's out in the lawn. That was creepy. That was the creepiest yeah, yeah. thing to me. 
Um, and that that's was. when I said, I don't trust this kid. I would have kicked <laughs> him out of school, too. <laughs> yeah, he was um, shitty. But, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, the writing was more scary than the action of this book. Definitely. I would agree with that. I mean, Penny, as, as the horror aficionado here, as the authority, really, on horror... Do you? What do you think? What? What do you think the scariest things are in the media that you really like or like like to create? Is it moments that are scary, or the way of telling the story that is scariest to you? Well, obviously, it's you know the perfect combination of both. If you have something like Poltergeist, you know you have individual moments that are completely terrifying, like you know the clown, or the tree outside the window, or the man kind of like pulling his face off. Um, but it's all wrapped up in this story of, you know, the family that you really care about, you know, the dad and the mom really love each other and their kids and everyone's happy and they're just trying to keep this, you know, happy life together. So I think for it to be scary, you have to care what happens, but you also have to show something kind of unique and different and kind of like tap into like a nightmare you didn't even know you had had. Oh, that's a good phrase. Yeah, a nightmare I like you that. didn't even know you had. <laughs> Shut up. No, it's good. It's really smart. So Did I so, write Turn of the Screw too? Yeah, you should do your own adaptation now. It'd probably be really good, honestly. <laughs> uh, so in the list of so on the list of scariest things you've encountered in your life, where do you think that this ranks? What? This book? Yeah. Scariest media. Scariest, scariest media? Wow. Yeah. Uh, like top 1000 I don't know. <laughs> pretty low yeah definitely i mean low. i generally avoid scary things though so uh-huh. uh, it obviously inspired so 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 many incredibly scary things but you know there's a time and a place for everything and sensibilities change and kind of uh you know language evolves and stories evolve and i think that you know you can't really read this in the same context that people read it um you know, when they read it in the serialized magazine. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would definitely agree. So does it deserve its place in the canon? That's a new question I'm adding to the end. Does, does this book deserve its place in the literary canon? No. Yes, because of what it inspired. I agree with Penny. Yeah, that's uh, that's like retconning it a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> on, oh, so. On, on the merits of it, like, it, I guess not. But I, if I'm thinking about it, would I be fine if I never read this book? Well, yes. I mean, would you live and breathe air if you never read any books? Probably, but... I don't know. The idea is that, well, we can debate what constitutes... But I'm not the horror person. I don't don't necessarily know uh, or appreciate the things that is inspired, so I'm probably the wrong person. Well, that's why we have Penny. Yeah, that's why. All right. Mm. To wrap it up, we are going to play our favorite game, and especially appropriate for the spooky month, the die of death, or doom. We are going to roll a six-sided die, and based on what we roll, we will play a different game. We might do two, depending on how we feel, Uh, but these are the games we could play. We could play, wow, this got racist, wow, this got sexist, who goes Nazi, in which we will try to guess which of these characters would have been a Nazi. Miles, totally. Uh, totally. Don't spoil it, don't spoil it. All of them. Would you rather... Which we will answer some would you rather questions. Uh, pitch the bad gritty reboot, very popular now, um, and write a short fanfic right now about this book. Uh, ben, do you want to roll? I will roll. All right. 
and it's time to write a bad fanfic. See, my my fanfic is we return to the party at the beginning of the story. <laughs> and so badass. They think it is so scary that everyone there also loses their mind. <laughs> and Douglas stops stuff. reading and everybody is dead. Yes. <laughs> That is my fan. And then pick. Douglas turns into Miss Jessel and yeah. evaporates. And just laughs into smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm just in on the fact that the fanfic would be the actual last chapter of explaining why it started at some weird Christmas party. Yeah. <laughs> what you said about it, you know, or, you know, it's being serialized, paid by the word, you know, they probably submitted a last chapter and it was just like everyone being like wow yeah that story was awesome <laughs> and the publisher was like actually we're not gonna need this one so <laughs> you're right actually i'm that's the fanfic that you should write back it's just great like style appropriation henry james like everyone being like wow i was so scared what a great christmas <laughs> <laughs> and then the last line is someone going hey douglas who are you in love with and he's just like eh Another story for another time. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so that's, good. I would read all of these fanfics. Oh, uh, wait, Penny, what's yours? Um, I don't know how fanficy it is, but I thought you could write an interesting version that's from the perspective of the ghosts trying the real ghosts, but the nanny is still crazy and they're trying to save the kids. Oh, Ooh. I like I do like that. That is good. Yeah, you should actually write that. That should be your adaptation of this, because that would be fun. Don't publish this podcast <laughs> or someone will steal that idea uh, all of our fans yeah Don't you know what i know spielberg i think is actually has been working on an adaptation of this for a while it's like a passion project really i believe that is true that's interesting well you should call him and give him your pitch will you text me his number after we stop recording <laughs> yep 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 i'll just i'll just shoot you his number that i definitely have in that's my that phone. that's that lifelong friend hookup <laughs> I have a feeling uh, that we should do another one of those rolls. All right, we'll do oh, one more. We'll do one more. Okay. We'll do one more. I'll roll again? Yeah. Do you want to roll? No, you roll. roll. Three, would you rather? So we're going to do some would you rather questions. This is a good one. This is Sweet. A good one. All right, so everyone gets to answer. We'll go around. Number one, would you rather be Miles or Flora, Penny? Flora, she lives, obviously. <laughs> so yeah. easy. Yeah, Flora. I don't, I don't want to be Miles. <laughs> Uh, Would you rather be Miles or the governess? No, that's, that's I don't know. I oh man, Give that's me the actually... sweet release of death. Miles. <laughs> Just end it. Yeah, I guess I'd rather be Miles too because at least I've had some fun in my life at some point. Like the governess never has had fun in her life. She sees two pretty chill ghosts and thinks, "This is how I die." <laughs> They're killing these children. And then she just immediately like ruins everyone else's lives. Also. What, what what about you? Oh, um, yeah, Miles, just, yeah. Well, you know what? The governess, maybe, because now she's free. We don't know what happens. She's probably fired. She probably goes off, lives her crazy life. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, only one life to live. Well, she's dead. Like, she's dead by the time they read uh, the story. Oh, right. Douglas is like, she's dead now. Yeah. <laughs> just another fucking question <laughs> raised by this Douglas. stupid opening. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Miles. Uh, all right, would you rather marry Peter Quint or the governess? <laughs> Peter Quint. He's, he's infamous. He's handsome. He's an actor. He doesn't, he doesn't have a hat, but we can figure that out. Yeah. Uh, I want nothing to do with the governess. I'm with Peter Quint. I agree. You can buy a man a hat. You can't buy a woman sanity. And our, la my la our last would you rather question. So would you rather in your life be a governess 
or be a rough menial or whatever they <laughs> that call the governess you. Talks down yeah. to, that calls you homely. <laughs> yeah. You know, menial. Because you're, you know, you're like doing the gardens or you're cooking. You don't have to take care of kids. Do you live at the house? Yeah. They like so have the court. You need to watch Downton Abbey or Gosford Park. <laughs> I like, have watched Gosford Park. It. I was just going to ask. Is it like yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that seems fun. Living at the house and having rich people talk down to you? Yeah. She's not rich. She's awesome. just a bitch. Yeah. She, she's not rich. She's just a bitch. Perfect. Um, I also wrote a Would You Rather. I didn't know that you came up with them. No, I thought this was I all want, on me. No, it's oh, on everyone. Tell us yours, kidding. too. I want to hear them. <laughs> okay, would you guys rather take care of two super weird kids for a few <laughs> months by yourself or, like, see a few ghosts a couple times? But you're scared. You're scared. I'm scared of the ghosts. But I'm, I'm also scared of the kids. Yeah. A few weird. moments of ghosts scares or like solid months on end of taking care of two kids i you know i have seen a ghost before i'm gonna take the ghost <gasps> you have not i saw a ghost once all right tell us the story i was uh you know i was at my girlfriend's childhood home sleeping in her room she was oh. not sleeping in the room with me she was in her other room because her parents were home and uh i you know in the middle of the night i thought she you know there was someone in there going through her drawers Thought it was her. Said, you know, Laura, is that you? And the ghost looked at me without a face. What? And then I looked away and I looked back and it was gone. And then I went and I found Laura in the other room and she was not the ghost. So I saw a ghost. I you could write that at least an 80 page literary classic based on that story alone. <laughs> that opens with a chapter of me describing it on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, it would have us describing you describing it to us like years later and then be like wait we have to find the audio let me write to the internet and get the audio web archive i can't believe that you yeah so i i'm i'm in on ghosts i'll take the ghost i don't like creepy children um are the kids creepy or are they just kids um let's say it's miles and flora um, I'll take the ghost. Those kids seem annoying. Yeah, the kid got, he got expelled for a reason. Honestly, they're just so good. They're obviously faking it. Like, that's crap. That's I would rather thinks, see the ghost. Right? She sort of starts yeah. thinking that, that she's, they're so good because it's an act because they're hiding their It seems really, it just honestly seems really annoying. All they do all day is like sing songs at the piano and like try to play with you. Yeah, like, she supposed to teach them? Yeah, but she doesn't even know that much math. There's one point where she's like, <laughs> Miles has surpassed me in math. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, homely old maid, come here. Yeah. <laughs> you lack my boldness of mind. <laughs> so what's your answer? I don't have to answer because it's my question. Oh, fine. Oh. <laughs> you know that my middle name is Flora. Oh, I did not oh, know. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. Don't you have another one? Do you have two yeah. middle names? I'm Gemma Flora Louisa. Yeah. But Flora is one of my middle names. If you have a brother named Miles? I do not. Or do I? (laughs) 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 And on that ghostly note, that is the end of this episode of Cannonballs. Uh, There will be another one. We are going to keep it up with the spooky theme too. Next one's our next book is going to be the great horror classic, Dracula. Dracula! So we will see you next time for that. Penny, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your horror expertise. Uh, please come back soon. We will We will definitely talk to you again. I only read one book a year, so contact <laughs> me in 12 calendar months. <laughs> Deal. Ben, thank you. I will talk to you, well, after this when I stop pressing record. Yeah, great. Great. Talk and, to you then. And listeners, we will see you next time. <laughs>